Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. On this episode, Bishop continues looking at the special masses leading up to Christmas. Hear about the gospel readings for the 22nd through the 24th, which includes Mary's Magnificat, as well as Zechariah getting his voice back and praising the Lord for fulfilling his promises. The episode ends with Bishop's prediction on who will win the Cupertino Classic next week. Welcome to Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes. I'm Kyle Hyman here with our good Bishop. Thank you again for joining us and happy Advent. Happy Advent. We're getting close. That's right. So last week, we began a series talking about these eight masses that lead up to Christmas, kind of the final countdown of our Advent calendars, if you will. And it was taking us through a little history lesson leading up to the nativity. We're not there yet, but we started with the rundown of the genealogy that leads up to Joseph and then Jesus. And then we had three angels. Yes. Right? The announcement to to Joseph, Joseph. and then it was Zechariah, and then Mary, Yep, and then the visitation. Correct. And really, now that we get to December 22nd, it's really a continuation of the gospel of December 21st, the gospel of the visitation. Elizabeth had just said, blessed are you who believe that what was spoken to you by the Lord would be fulfilled. Well, the gospel today picks up with what Mary says in response. Mm. to that, those words of Elizabeth. And what was her response? The hymn of the Magnificat. Mm -hmm. So the gospel of December 22nd is the Magnificat. And this beautiful prayer, this beautiful canticle is prayed every evening in the liturgy of the hours. If you pray evening prayer, also called Vespers, we always pray Mary's Magnificat. And of course, priests are required to pray the Liturgy of the Hours and pray this every evening. But here it's the gospel on December 22nd. And Mary, we hear, begins by saying, My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his lowly servant. So she had just been praised by Elizabeth, but Mary turns around and gives all the praise to God. And it's just a very beautiful hymn. I think most of the people listening know the Magnificat. Every time we pray it, we're praying with Mary and praising God for his mercy. I think the Magnificat reveals the spirituality of the biblical Anawim, the poor and the humble. They were the people who really weren't attracted to the idols of riches and power. They were detached from those things. They're called the Anawim. Mary is an example. So we see in this prayer of the Magnificat her wonderful humility. There was no pride in Mary's heart. Her soul was completely open to God's grace. So this attitude of genuine humility is praising and thanking God for all that he has done for her is a great example for us of prayer because everything we have is a gift of God, from God. 
In a sense, when we pray the Magnificat, we're joining in the prayer of the Anawim, the lowly, the poor, the poor in spirit, like Mary. Mary says, from this day, all generations will call me blessed. The Almighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. He has mercy on those who fear him in every generation. He has shown the strength of his arm and has scattered the proud in their conceit. He has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has come to the help of his servant Israel, for he has remembered his promise of mercy, the promise he made to our fathers, to Abraham and his children forever. Really, I see the Magnificat as a hymn of praise of God's mercy, because twice Mary recalls God's mercy, both in the past and in the present and in the future. She says his mercy is from age to age, from generation to generation. That includes our generation. Hmm. And his mercy endures forever. So it's good for us to focus on these few days before Christmas is how much we need God's mercy. We need a Savior. We need Jesus in the midst of sin and all the other things. You know, we think of war and terrorism and violence, and the world needs God's mercy. So I think it's good to make these words of Mary's Magnificat our own. You know, she said that God has mercy on those who fear him mm -hmm. in every generation. You know, it's good to ask ourselves, do I fear the Lord? You know, this is one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. To fear him is to revere him as God, to serve and obey him. You know, those who are proud and rich and mighty, they don't fear the Lord. But the Magnificat teaches us that the mighty are cast down mm -hmm. or sent away empty. So to be proud and arrogant, that's the opposite of the fear of the Lord. It's the lowly, the poor, and the humble who are lifted up, who mm -hmm. receive the Lord's mercy. In many ways, the Magnificat is a compendium of the Bible. This is how God acts in history, hmm. the history of salvation. I think it's a good way to prepare for Christmas is to maybe pray this Magnificat, to say it slowly and to meditate on it. Kind of learn from the spirit of Mary, this humble servant of the Lord. Part of that reminds me a little bit of the Beatitudes. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Right. Yep. So that would be the readings for today, the 22nd. Then tomorrow, the 23rd, we're getting very close to Christmas here. And we're still in, the, in chapter one of Luke's gospel. It's a very long chapter, by the way. I think it's 66 verses. So huh. the last few days, it's all been from this chapter one of Luke's gospel. And today we arrive at verse 57 to 66, which has to do with the birth of John the Baptist. So the gospel, I think it would be good to recall this. So I'll read the gospel. This is for December 23rd. When the time arrived for Elizabeth to have her child, she gave birth to a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy toward her, and they rejoiced with her. When they came on the eighth day to circumcise the child, they were going to call him Zechariah after his father, but his mother said in reply, No, he will be called John. 
But they answered her, there is no one among your relatives who has this name. So they made signs what he wished him to be called. He asked for a tablet and wrote, John is his name. And all were amazed. Immediately his mouth was opened, his tongue freed, and he spoke, blessing God. Then fear came upon all their neighbors, and all these matters were discussed throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard these things took them to heart, saying, What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. So here we have the birth of John the Baptist. Throughout the Advent season, the church has presented us with the example and the teaching of St. John the Baptist, sent by God to call the people to repentance, to prepare the way of the Lord. Today we have this amazing event of his birth. Notice that the gospel talks about how fear came upon the people. They, of course, were amazed that Elizabeth in her old age, she who had been barren, had become pregnant and given birth to John. And after Zechariah began to speak, he was able to bless God and fear came upon all their neighbors. What then will this child be? For surely the hand of the Lord was with him. Why were they afraid? Because they witnessed the power of God. Hmm. This was such a mysterious thing. The miracle of Elizabeth conceiving past her childbearing years. And then the unusual naming of their son with a name of no other relative. And then, of course, Zechariah's muteness going away. Mm -hmm. You know, his voice was restored. His speech was restored. So you can understand why they'd be afraid. They knew something is happening here. You know, what will this child be? So they knew he would be special. They believed the hand of the Lord was with him. As we know, John the Baptist became the forerunner of the Lord, the precursor of the Lord, the last of the prophets, the one who prepared the way of the Lord. So two days before we celebrate the birth of Jesus, we celebrate the birth of his cousin, John the Baptist. And we remember, as Jesus said, there's no man born of woman greater than John the Baptist. So the name John, is there any significance there? Or why did God want him to be called John? That's a good question. Well, first of all, it was common that you would have the name of someone else in the family, like uh -huh. the father's name. So just the fact that no one in the family had had that name before, I think that's one of the significant things. But I think also there's a meaning to the name John, and I think it means gracious and merciful or something like that. Graced by God? There you go. Graced by God. And that takes us to continuing this chapter one of Luke's gospel on December 24th, the Mass on Christmas Eve during the morning. We continue with verse 67, and actually Luke chapter one has 80 verses. Okay. So then Zechariah, of course, now he's able to speak. So on December 24th, the gospel says, Zechariah, his father, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, and now we have the canticle of Zechariah, which we pray every morning, every day of the year in morning prayer of the Liturgy of the Hours. So every evening we pray Mary's canticle, 
every morning we praise Zechariah's canticle. Um, hmm. That we being priests, but mm -hmm. a lot of lay people now pray morning and evening prayer as well. But I will read the canticle of Zechariah for the listeners. Again, the last gospel before Christmas. Zechariah, his father, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied, saying, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, for he has come to his people and set them free. He has raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his prophets he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us. He promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. This was the oath he swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. Amen. All right. Well, if you have any questions for Bishop, you can always ask them by texting the Holy Cross College text line at 260-436-9598. And we will have Bishop break down what he just read and give us a little more insight. Coming up here on Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes, brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Notre Dame Federal Credit Union has a special mission to serve the Catholic Church in America. In 2020 alone, we've served over 800 parishes, schools, and nonprofits in more than 25 dioceses nationwide. We are a member-owned, not-for-profit cooperative, working hard to create a national Catholic financial alternative to the for-profit banks. You already share our values. Why not share in our benefits? Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. Welcome back to Truth and Cherry with Bishop Rhodes. I am Kyle Hyman here with our bishop. Been talking about the different readings leading up to the Christmas Mass. And Bishop, you were just sharing a little bit about the December 24th Mass, the Gospel comes from Luke chapter 1, towards the end of the chapter, Zechariah, filled with the Holy Spirit, has this, what we now know as the Canticle of Zechariah. Can you continue to break down what this means for us? This Canticle begins with a typical Jewish blessing. Remember, Zechariah was a priest. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. We even see in the Mass, you know, the priest presents the bread and wine. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel. Mm. And then he gives the reasons for praising God. The first reason is that God has visited and brought redemption to his people. Then the second reason that Zechariah praises God is that he's raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of his servant David. Through his prophets, he promised of old that he would save us from our enemies from the hands of all who hate us. I think this is beautiful to think about on the day before Christmas. We're talking about all the fulfillment. Salvation has come. God saves us. So he's recalling the promises. Zechariah says he promised to show mercy to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant. 
And this fulfillment also involves not only David, but also Abraham. Zechariah says, this was this oath he swore to our father Abraham to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship him without fear, holy and righteous in his sight all the days of our life. At this point, Zechariah then turns to his child, to John, and he says, you, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. And that's exactly what John's mission was. That was his vocation. He was to go before the Lord to prepare his way, especially through the baptism. It means John the Baptist. It was a baptism of repentance. He says then, in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn on, from on high shall break upon us. So here he's talking about Jesus. So he talked about his son, that his son would be the one who would go before the Lord to prepare his way. And then he says, in the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Well, that's Jesus. Hmm. He is the morning dawn to shine on those who dwell in darkness in the shadow of death and to guide our feet into the way of peace. That's what the Messiah will do. We read in Isaiah, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those in the shadow of death, light will shine on you. And he comes with this gift, this blessing of peace to guide our feet into the way of peace. His child to be born, Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Again, Isaiah. So this is, I think, a uh, wonderful canticle that we pray every morning. We repeat these words of the prophet Zechariah. So every morning we give praise to God in the same words that the father of John the Baptist praised him. So then we're ready for Christmas. All right. And you've actually, you said earlier, Kyle, that there are four Christmas masses. And mm -hmm. you might be wondering, well, if I go to this mass, what gospel am I going to hear? Uh -huh. Well, as I mentioned in our last episode, if you go to the vigil mass or the afternoon mass on Christmas Eve, you might hear the genealogy according to St. Matthew. And at the end of that, the angel appearing to Joseph in a dream, telling him to take Mary as his wife and revealing to him that through the Holy Spirit, the child was conceived in Mary. Did you say it's possible the priest could skip the genealogy and just, and just do that part? part? Okay. Right, right. But then if you go to church at night, Christmas Eve, mm -hmm. after sundown, then you would hear the gospel that we're most familiar with with Christmas. Luke chapter 2 talks about how the census under Caesar Augustus how they went from Nazareth to Bethlehem and there was no room in the inn and Mary gave birth, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, laid him in a manger. Then the shepherds received the announcement by the angels and then they came and they, you know, sang the Gloria in, you know, above the shepherds, a multitude of the heavenly host, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. That's the famous Christmas story. Mm -hmm. So we always have that gospel Christmas night. So if you go to Mass at 8 o'clock, 
7, 8, 9, 10, whatever time your parish, uh-huh. midnight, uh-huh. that's the gospel you'll hear. So if you want to hear that gospel, you have to go Christmas Eve night. Okay. Now, if you want to go early the next morning, Christmas Day, the first Mass of Christmas Day, Mass in the morning, is what happens after the angels leave. They go to heaven, and the shepherds then decide to go, and they found Mary and Joseph and the infant lying in the manger. That's the gospel for Christmas morning, the mass at dawn, okay. so kind of the early mass. Uh-huh. So if you have a Christmas morning mass at 7 or 8, that's the gospel you'll hear. It says that Mary kept all these things, reflecting on them in her heart, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. Now, if you go to Christmas Mass later in the morning, during the day, you'll hear not from Luke's Gospel or Matthew's Gospel, but from John's Gospel, the prologue, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18, which has the very famous sentence, verse 14, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Mm -hmm. So it's much more theological. The gospel begins, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came to be through Him, and without Him nothing came to be, etc., etc., until that great verse 14. It says, And the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us, and we saw His glory, the glory as of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. So that's the gospel of Christmas Day. We hear that in the Angelus, the yes. word made flesh dwelt among and us. dwelt among us, exactly. The last invocation in the Angelus, yeah. And then we say the Hail Mary. All right. Well, I, this has been very helpful for me, and, and I, especially if I'm not at all those masses, I wouldn't kind of get that that story. But even if I do, sometimes I have a hard time paying attention. And so hearing a little bit more about it has helped me to pay attention and really get a lot more out of these Advent Masses. So I appreciate you going through them with us. You know what I would recommend, Kyle, to you and to families is to maybe take these Gospels and read them before dinner with the family Yeah. on these eight days before Christmas. Even if one is going to daily Mass, mm-hmm. it's good to, you could do it also as a family, or if you can't get to Mass, yeah. you could do the, the gospel as a family. Maybe when you light the four candles on the Advent wreath, mm-hmm. read that gospel of the day. Very good idea. Uh, one other thing before we close out this episode, Monday, December 27th, so after your Christmas celebrations are maybe slowing down a little bit, the University of St. Francis is going to be hosting the seventh annual Cupertino Classic. So this has been done at our area high schools in the past, but this will be the first time it'll be at the University of St. Francis in their gym. So this is, if you're not familiar with it, it's a fun game between priests and seminarians. I say fun, but it's also highly competitive, <laughs> which just makes it a lot more fun to watch as well. So they're going to be having a pregame prayer and Mass at 345 in the St. Francis Chapel on campus. So Mass at 345. There'll be some adoration time following that until the doors open at 6 p.m. Everybody's welcome. Bring family, friends, kids. It'll be a lot of fun. 
there at the Hutzel Athletic Complex, whatever they call it. Doors open at 6 o'clock, and then also, if you're not able to make it, we are going to be streaming a live video feed on Facebook and YouTube. So if you follow Redeemer Radio on Facebook or follow us on YouTube, you can check out the live stream. Tip-off begins at 6.30. Who do you think is going to win this year? Oh, I think the priests are going to win. Don't I don't want the seminarians to... Yeah. No, well, you know what? I shouldn't say that. There's one player, one of the seminaries, I don't want to just pick out names, but <laughs> there's one who played basketball in college. Oh, really? And is quite good, really good. Okay. So I think if the seminarians are able to control Father Matt and Father Terry Coonan yep. and all that, they, they have a chance. Okay. Yeah, I think they have a chance. <laughs> but I think the priests have a bigger pool to choose from. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, it's always a fun game. Encourage people to bring your family. It's a, it's a great way to support our priests, our seminarians, and just enjoy each other's company as well. So before we go, could we get your Episcopal blessing? Why don't I give you the special blessing for Christmas? Sounds great. A little different than what we would normally do, yeah. but since Christmas is just a few days away, kind of a little anticipation, this is a blessing that we usually do at the end of Mass on Christmas. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May the God of infinite goodness, who by the incarnation of his Son has driven darkness from the world, and by that glorious birth has illumined this most holy day, drive far from you the darkness of vice and illumine your hearts with the light of virtue. Amen. Amen. May God, who willed that the great joy of his Son's saving birth be announced to shepherds by the angel, Fill your minds with the gladness he gives and make you heralds of his gospel. Amen. And may God, who by the incarnation brought together the earthly and heavenly realm, fill you with the gift of his peace and favor and make you sharers with the church in heaven. Amen. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit come down on you and remain with you forever. Amen. Thank you, Bishop. You're welcome, Kyle. But blessed and Merry Christmas. Truth and Charity with Bishop Rhodes is brought to you in part by Notre Dame Federal Credit Union. This show is a production of the Spoke Street Media Podcast Network. For more great podcasts, visit spokestreet.com.